Our guest today is Tim Anderson from Adina Schools in Minnesota. Hey, hey. awesome hey. to be here, you guys. Welcome. Welcome. Thanks for having me. So tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your school. Well, I'm 5'10", and I'm very fast. Yes. I could run with acuity and, you know, agility. Mm-hmm. And that's helpful in the middle school. I'm sure it is. <laughs> it's very true. <laughs> you got to run sometimes. Uh, we have a 1,000 learners, grades 6 through 8. We um, serve in the southwest metro of uh, Minneapolis, and uh, community has super high expectations. Um, but our community is changing demographics, like in a lot of places, are shifting. The community doesn't yet fully appreciate that shift. So we have to um, increase our ability to serve all kids um, in a way that um, doesn't leave us open for this critique of you're just doing equity work, you know, at the detriment of all the other learners who need to be well served. Right. So that's a bit about the context. Okay. That so difficult. It, it does. We've heard a lot from uh, some of your colleagues earlier today uh, that you're really big on focusing on the why and bringing it all back to the why. Can you explain how that works with, with yourself and the community and the teachers and the learners? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, a key tenant for some of our most invested parent partners is to assure them that we're not doing anything that would cause loss of service, just gain. And so um, framing matters. So when we talk about the three P's of personalized learning in our work, proficiency, pathways, and profile, we found that gives us the most um, traction. Uh, it makes sense to people. It's sticky enough in the, in the words of the Heath brothers, Dan and Chip. I don't know if you've heard of them, but they're, they've got some books out there that are really helpful um, and digestible and short. So one's a professor at Duke and one's at like UCLA. But anyway, their notion of sticky, you know, what makes something sticky? When we started this work, um, you know, we had websites that said personalized learning is five paragraphs later. And at the end, people would be like, what? But, so when we when we brought it down to three P's, that's when we got acceleration both with implementation from our stakeholders and then understanding and then buy-in from like PTO, you know, the parents and the community. Three P's, that's it. That's what we're doing every day. Yeah. So what was your why? Well, you know, we want to serve all learners. Yeah. So um, how do we do that when we're trying to do future-ready work? Uh, the world has changed, and while 1989 was a super great year, Taylor Swift was born, um, you know, we were like, you know, doing great stuff. The twins had won one World Series already. They were on their way to win another one. Um, we need to yeah, obviously update practices so kids can do things like collaborate and communicate, right. be creative in the rapidly changing world. So the why is anchored in that, and then I think just the Commonwealth needs people with as much skill uh, serving the Commonwealth as possible. There can't be private wealth in the end without Commonwealth. That's the old social studies teacher mm-hmm. in me. <laughs> and so we can't afford to miss a chance to capitalize on the knowledge, skills, ethics of today's youth. Mm-hmm. Um, this society and this world needs it. Our democracy demands that everyone's engaged, that their agency is activated, and that they're contributing citizen, artists, and scholars. We need that. We can't wait another day to do better than we've been doing. That would be a, a big part of the why for me, and I think that that radiates out to the team. What advice would you give to other school leaders who are embarking on changing and updating and moving towards more personalized methods? You bet. Well, I think capacity building is it. Learning is 
the work. Mm -hmm. And so to be a learner beyond the platitudes of live, alive, log, learner, you know, um, actually learn, which to us means capacity building. The literature is replete with examples of that's really the work. Michael Fullan talks about it. That's really at the heart of the DeFore's work, mm -hmm. uh, building capacity, so learning. Well, how do I do that? Well, I want to use the same skills and strategies that I would think we'd want to do in the classroom. So, mm -hmm. well, we want them to be collaborators and to collaborate. So then we darn well better be collaborating and um, having communication networks. Uh, that's different than co-ordinating. Um, it's different than co-operating. Co-laboring is what we're going for. And so that's an example of the kind of strategy mm -hmm. that you would want to build on. I mean, look at the network that's present at conferences like, you know, Southwest PL, you know, 2019. Already, just from networking with a few people, we have accelerated our capacity to make a bigger difference than we had at our disposal yesterday. So that's, right. that's a part of that, I think. So how do you connect this with the new teachers that come aboard to your school? We just kind of say good luck. You guys try hard. <laughs> High five. Start teaching. Yeah. What we try to do is give them the hardest teaching assignment with the least amount of support. I mean, it's kind of how we do it. Yep. Baptism by fire. If they can't make it, then you know, we just let them go. I think that's totally appropriate. Yeah, it's helpful. No, I'm teasing you guys. <laughs> we joke a little bit because we think that the work is so serious and it's intense and every day is humbling. Mm. You know, by 9 o'clock this morning before we started our day, our school had a 911 call. Uh, a staff member was coming late because his mother-in-law was dying this morning. Mm -hmm. um, that's, you know, uh, every day is like that, and we're, it's so serious to work. But we do like to have fun. we got to do it um, mm -hmm. because the work will wear you out and tear you down if not. So um, what do we do with new teachers? Uh, it's that same stuff that we're talking about. How do we set the conditions mm -hmm. so that they can grow their capacity? If we say, here's the stuff we're going to monitor, you know, these these cliche statements that I think are so true. Measure what you treasure. Mm -hmm. Inspect what you expect. Mm -hmm. What gets monitored is what gets done. So if we're gonna say we're gonna monitor these key things, like these three Ps, again, that's proficiency pathways and profiles, then we have to support those. It's monitor mm -hmm. and support. So what would the supports be? It could be that an instructional coach is assigned to them and they check in once a week from the informal check-ins to the formal check-ins. Mm -hmm. Could be that the group meets every week uh, socially uh, or monthly after school at a coffee house, perhaps. Um, it could be that we get him a short article and then we talk through that. It could be that we co-teach and set up the conditions to do that. But we want them to be fed, not just say, get this done, good luck. Uh, you know, I was jesting about that. If you say you're gonna monitor a thing, you darn well better support it. Mm -hmm. Or else you shouldn't say, should do it. That's a great way to put that. Uh, do you think that your school is a magnet for teachers who want to do something different? Well, I can tell you anecdotally that the last two years we've just hired some dynamite math people from neighboring districts because they're like, that seems kind of cool, that stuff mm -hmm. seems cool. And, um, you know, it's almost like there's an incentive to check in with them because they're so fired up about the chance to be playing on this side of the Equation, mm -hmm. math pun. Nice. Yeah. Well done. Hard on that one. <laughs> yeah, worked, it was a couple of weeks. To <laughs> um, and, and actually, one of those math teachers is, is great because she does like these these jokes, you know, it's just in the middle of a brain break reset. Right. 
Do we think it's a magnet? I think it is anecdotally. I think, you know, we haven't had a ton of turnover because once people get there, they stay. But when we've had some turnover, we've hired some just dynamite people who are doing dynamite work. And we just say induction starts in the interview. So we ask those tough questions. Hey, your neighbor who you thought was uh, was working on profiles, you don't see any evidence of that. What do you do? And don't wait until three years or five or ten to make an impact. Or, you know, um, you know, your neighbor is complaining about the kids. Task silence is tacit approval. So what are you going to do? And then we just say in the interview, hey, look, we count on you to help shape the culture. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't you can't let a, a chance go by. You can't miss a chance. Kids can't have as many chances to improve the culture and accelerate this work. So, yeah, I think so. The answer is yes with lots of words. All right, so our, our tagline for our podcast is uh, what's your biggest doo-doo of personalized learning as opposed oh. to a don't do. Oh. So, Tim. Yeah. What would your biggest doo-doo be? For oh, personalized man. learning. Not a don't do, but a do do. I just got to take that with me. I'm going to grab that one. I might even cite my sources. <laughs> oh, that's good. Do do. Uh, you know, what do I, th- I think project positivity mm-hmm. and just make it crystal clear. Um, you know, it's not just kids first, it's not students first. Uh, you know, some folks love that and, and I appreciate where it comes from, but we think it's um, a little bit more nuanced. We think it's kids and their learning first. Mm. There's a lot of chance for entitlement to creep in if you just say, well, it's for the kids. Or there's a lot of chance to have misunderstanding. Like you have a conception that's different than mine. You're the hidden curriculum between us. And you think, well, blah, 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 it's good for kids. Well, what part of kids? Is it good for their social emotional? Is it good for their sense of humor? Is it good for their um, interest in having snacks? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, we're looking through the lens first and foremost of is it good for kids and their learning? And I think you've got to project positivity and always be tying to the why mm-hmm. of why teachers get up in the morning, educators get up in the morning, do this work. And so just never miss a chance to be crystal clear. Clarity precedes competence. And so that would be my biggest duty. Tim awesome. Anderson, thank you very much. Thank you, guys.